Look, payday's awesome, but running payroll, calculating taxes and deductions, staying compliant, that's not easy. Unless, of course, you have Gusto. Gusto is a simple online payroll and benefits tool built for small businesses like yours. Gusto gets your team paid while automatically filing your payroll taxes. Plus, you can offer benefits like 401k, health insurance, and workers' comp, and it makes onboarding new employees a breeze. We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves, and we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash beingboss, that's gusto.com slash being boss. Hello and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson and I'm Kathleen Shannon. I'm Jessica Lauren and I'm Being Boss. Today we're talking about rejection and resilience with Jessica Lauren. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. Hey guys, it's summertime and if you're finding that your business or your client work is slowing down a little bit, now is a really great time to get on top of your bookkeeping and your accounting. Don't wait for tax time to come around. Don't wait for the new year. Now is a really great time to set up systems and processes to get your money in order and so that you can see a clear picture of your financial health. We recommend FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. FreshBooks Cloud Accounting is going to help you get your invoices out faster. It's going to help you get paid faster. It's going to help you keep track of all of your expenses. And you're going to be able to see all the reports that will tell you how your business is doing. Try it for free at www.freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Jessica Lauren is the creator of lifestyle blog and business NoRealJewelry.com. She is an actress living in Chicago trying to balance being boss while still chasing after her dreams of being a working actor. Jessica, I'm so excited to have you on Being Boss. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I've been listening to you guys since 2015, like every episode. When you slid in my DMs about coming on... I like was crying. I have to send you guys a video of me like literally crying to my mother. Like they asked me to come on. <laughs> well, and I asked you, I wanted you to come on the show and maybe I ended up following you after you followed us on being boss. I don't remember how I came across you, but I came across your blog and I was really trying to like get back into my groove with being postpartum and trying to find my style again. So I was just trying to find all the style bloggers and really figure out what's my style again after having a baby and really just trying to freshen it up a little bit, I guess. Anyway, I came across your blog and your style and it really super resonated. But then beyond that, following your creative journey was super intriguing to me. So let's start there. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and the work that you do and your creative entrepreneurial journey. Okay, it is a journey. So get ready. (laughs) So um, I came out the wound like singing, dancing, acting, just being a complete ham. My mother is an artist. She can draw, do fashion illustrations, sing, cook. She's just 
a fabulous woman. And so I just grew up in that environment. So from day one, I was in tap class, acting class. Like I was just always in a creative environment. I wound up um, going to high school in Detroit. It's one of the best high schools ever. It's called Cast Tech. And I met my mentor, Marilyn McCormick. She just won a Tony for being an acting teacher in Detroit. So she is a heavy hitter. Um, Wait, so was this high school like fame? Is it like It's kind of uh, like fame. arts? Okay. Well, this was an intense. It was kind of like college. So you had to test to get into it. We had a aerodynamic computer engineering curriculum performing arts like it was just this huge it's 10 floors it was this insane institution like to get an a you had to have like an a was 92 percent and higher like 90 wasn't cutting it that was a b i know it was scandalous i remember hearing about schools like that whenever i was in high school thinking how i would not have been an a student if i had been The standards were high. It felt like college. It was horrible in a good way. Um, But did you know that you wanted to be a performer? Like I did. It's hard enough for some kids to figure out what they want to do starting in college, starting in high school. I know. To pick your track that early. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about that. That's all I knew. My family like really bought into me being a ham. Like my mom was a single mom. She got divorced when I was like eight. And she had to raise three kids by herself. She worked like three jobs. So she'd be like, listen, you're not about to go outside and play. They're outside shooting. You could come in here and make a play. Let's put on a play together. Let's sing songs. So like she kind of pushed my siblings and I to be creative because I don't think she had the money to buy like toys or she was scared of having us play outside in Detroit. It was really bad at the time. So um, I think I knew early on because that's all I knew. Um, So performing arts it was in high school and I did that got into college went there and got my bachelor of fine arts um and it was a rigorous rigorous program graduated in 2006 during I don't know if that was the height of the recession or the beginning of it <laughs> I mean I feel like it's been happening since 2001 since, since life started <laughs> there was a recession um but I graduated and I'm like, I got my Bachelor of Fine Arts. I am a method actress. Where's my Oscar? <laughs> like, come on, y'all. <laughs> and I was really fortunate enough, like the minute I stepped foot out of graduation, I got an agent, which is totally unheard of. So I'm really like, come on, y'all. Where is Hollywood? Let's do this. What well, did not happen like that? Okay, wait, wait, wait. You got an agent while you were in Detroit or have you in gone Chicago. somewhere else for college? Okay, so you're yeah, in Chicago. I'm sorry. You got an agent. Yep. No, no, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I went Just to school. Sure I'm on <laughs> I went to school in Illinois. I went to Northern Illinois University. Um, and I got my agent. And as soon as I like graduate, I'm going on huge auditions in Chicago. Um, and it's any movie or sitcom you've seen that has filmed here, I've auditioned for it. And I never booked. Ever. I graduated in 2006 and did not book my first commercial until 2015. Yes. Nine years of rejection. (laughs) So let me talk about that. So the audition process. (laughs) So your agent will send you an email. Hey, Jessica, we got this audition. It's for this small movie. It's called Divergent. They're going to be paying. 30 million, whatever. You see all the zeros. So you go and audition. And if they like you, you'll get a callback. Callbacks, I always got them. 
after the callback, um, and the callback, you're auditioning in front of the executive producers, the directors. So this is huge. Your agent will call you and say, hey, Jessica, they really liked you if they like you. Um, you're on hold. And being hold, on hold means that the network is making a decision on you. The executive producers are making a decision on you. Like It's a long list of people deciding. For nine years, I was on hold for every... I couldn't get a White Castles commercial. Like It was... <laughs> bad so I always heard for nine years I heard the story you're good like but you're just not good enough and that was horrible <laughs> I didn't so book. so for that nine years was it continuous did you take a hiatus like did you stop no. at any moment or was it like nine years of continual going at it nine years of continuously going I'm talking like Empire uh just any show um Chicago met all of those shows I would go get the car back be on hold and be released like I it was to the point that my agent called me the on hold queen I'm the on hold queen of Chicago that is some beautiful persistence <laughs> I just have or to insanity, say or insanity <laughs> Fine line. There's a fine there line. There is a fine <laughs> Okay. We line. need to get into some mindset stuff. How did you deal? How did you emotionally and mentally and even maybe what kind of habits and routines do you put in place to keep going? I, I think watching my mom just be a single mother and raising three little kids. I'm like, I kind of come from um, this heritage of just doing it, even when you don't got it. So I think I just had that mindset of just like, well, this is what happens as an actor. Let me just keep going. But I definitely was depressed. I definitely wanted to be like, screw you acting. You're not working out for me. And kind of the minute I kind of backed away from it is when I started booking like I was on Chicago PD and I got a McDonald's commercial and I got a Chuck E. Cheese commercial. like it just started opening up once I stopped being so like I gotta make it I gotta make it so I think just okay so then tell us about that what was your big break in 2015 what was that like so <laughs> that was a Chuck E. Cheese commercial and I got that yes, <laughs> yes! <laughs> I got that in December of 2015, but I started the blog in May of 2015. And so I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I can give myself permission when I get to create? Hold on now. Wait. I was having an audition to get permission to be creative. But once I started creating my own lane, I was like, uh, I like this more. So for those months, I was still going to auditions, but I was kind of like, but I still want to blog. Like that, that felt better to me. And I think, again, once I kind of stopped being so desperate for acting and I had something else kind of getting my attention, things just started falling in my lap, kind of. <laughs> I don't know. Nice. Okay, so <laughs> I have a question then. How are you paying the bills Okay, in those nine years? <sighs> I paid the bills by wiping kids' butts. I worked <laughs> at a preschool for those nine years, um, and I worked in the six-week-old six baby classroom and until they were like a year and a half. So I did that for like the first seven years at that daycare center. But I was always still trying to audition. And like that last year there, my boss was like, why don't you work in the kitchen? If you work in the kitchen, you can cook their breakfast, cook their lunch, and then for the rest of the day, do whatever you need to do, and then come back and clean up. So 
I would leave, go to an audition, then I would act at medical schools in Chicago. Med schools hire actors to be called to to do standardized patient work. And you're basically like acting like you have tuberculosis or you're acting like your dad is about to die and they have to break the news. So I was hustling and I worked for a production company. So I was like touring with these shows, like these random shows. I was working at hospitals with med students and I was changing poopy diapers. And I was a barista at a tea cafe. So I was doing everything. <laughs> I was doing everything to pay You developed a lot of skills in those nine years. Yes. Yes, I would know I can change a diaper. <laughs> I could change quite a diaper. That's amazing. Isn't there like a special skills section for actors yes. on resumes? So yes. things like where like you're like, I know how to drive. You're like, I know how to make a cup of tea. Yes. And change a diaper with one hand while holding another baby in my other hand. I can do that. <laughs> That's amazing. I So I want to hear, though, when you decided to start your blog. So what was what sort of brought that around and how did you begin your site? So um, I was definitely starting to become bitter with acting. I was starting to kind of get depressed because to hear is I almost wished I never got those callbacks or that I was never on hold because then I know like I kind of suck. But to know like I'm actually doing a good job and I'm not getting rewarded for that, that was not clicking in my head. For some reason, I was like, wait, what? Anywhere else you work hard and you get something in return. The theater business, film business is not like that. So um, I work for a production company and we tour for months on end with shows and I was collecting all these hotel points. My computer was on a fritz. So I bought a computer and I was with my hotel points. So I kind of got it for free. And I was like, if my Instagram is already cute, why don't I start a fashion blog? So I started doing that. (laughs) But then I would kind of talk about the depression and the anxiety and I would get letters and texts like, girl, I'm going through that too. And I was like, this felt, it it awakened up some form of purpose. Like that feels better than me learning lines. Like it just, it was just like, I'm helping people like what? (laughs) So that's how all that started. It's just, I got points and I was like, I just want to be cute. But then the more I like was transparent and real about like emotional struggles and people responded well to that. I'm like, let's do that. This is such a great lesson for me. So many of the people we talk to struggle so much with blending the professional with the personal Mm -hmm. and the idea of how much of themselves should they share. And I find that if people are sharing none of themselves, at, at least, at least in the creative entrepreneur world, then you have to, you have to sort of give in that way in order for people to know how to receive it. Right. And so I love that you doing that allowed you to receive in ways that you had not previously been able to. Exactly. It was amazing. I kind of found out that I was this three-dimensional woman. Like I had only been a performer and to find out like, I'm good with photography. I know about flat lays and branding kind of turns me on. It was like, oh my God, I'm a real person. Like it's more to me than just this layer that's been with me for so long. Right, because, you know, almost in a way, being an actor is being a two-dimensional personal brand that's not even your person. It's like, how do I fit into this headshot and into this role that isn't even my role? It's not even me. (laughs) But I have a couple of questions. Like, having followed your Instagram, Mm -hmm. I remember two things super impressed me, and it's always in your stories. 
So you'll have to tell tell our listeners real quick what your Instagram handle is. They need to follow you right oh, now. Oh yeah, it's um no real jewelry. And that's the name of the blog. Um, my grandmother used to always buy me and my sister like diamonds and gold jewelry. And I just wanted the fake stuff. So that's where that name comes from. <laughs> I love that. No real jewelry. No real jewelry. So I was following you on Instagram and two things came up. Probably I feel like almost within a week of each other. I could be wrong on that timeline. But one was... You were on set of like a Sesame Street production. Yeah. And I knew that you were an actor. Yeah. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> Are you on Sesame Street? And then you were like, no, I work for a production company. So tell us a little bit about that work. And are you still doing that? I am still doing it. So, so about like 2008 ish, um, I auditioned for a Nickelodeon show. I booked that, but literally after one leg of it, it fizzled. Um, but the production company was like, hey, we really like you. How would you feel about being a crew member? And I was like, I don't care. It just pays the bills. I won't have to change diapers. Yes. Um, so the production company works with different networks and children's brands and all kind of stuff. So they'll email me and say, hey, can you be gone for 20 weeks? We have this tour. Sometimes I'll act. Sometimes I'm the crew. Sometimes I'm a producer on it. So I still do that. That's mostly my main job now is that and the blog. All that other stuff, by the grace of God, is like leaving. (laughs) Okay. And so no more poopy diapers. No more poopy diapers. (laughs) No real jewelry and no more poopy diapers. Yes. Um, And so then the second thing that really stood out to me on your Instagram is whenever you did a story and you were like, you guys, I need to tell you something. I got therapy today. Oh, yeah. Kind of opening up about those struggles. But it was almost like you did it in a way that's not floodlighting your audience. And I don't know if it's just your general enthusiasm for life or like positivity um, that you just typically exude. But I think that there's a fine balance between sharing who you are and floodlighting the people that you're sharing to. And floodlighting is a term that Brene Brown uses in some of her books where it's like you're just turning a bright light of whatever despair or just things that are too intimate and it goes beyond vulnerable and into intimate so I'm curious how you ride that line of being real and keeping it real but also you know maybe not not going too far or I guess I'm curious like where your boundaries are with that yeah um I've never really had a problem with Telling my business. Um, I've, <laughs> I've always been pretty. You and Kathleen may be the same person. <laughs> I know, like, girl, let me tell you. <laughs> um, so <laughs> um, I, I don't have a problem with transparency. And it's my belief that we, like, kind of go through crap to help somebody else that's in crap. So I've always just been like, God, with this little platform I have of, like, 2,000 followers, like, Help me help someone else out. So that day when I was like, I think earlier that day, I was like, ooh, look at me. I'm so pretty. And I was like, F that. I'm about to go to therapy, okay? My boyfriend just (laughs) broke my heart. I had went through a sexual assault um, like two or three months prior. And I was just trying to handle. Did I just flood like y'all? I think I just did. (laughs) No, not a... You know, it's 2017. We've got to talk about this stuff. So I was just like, screw that. Because my Instagram looks so pretty. And it's like, it's always going to look pretty because I like pretty things. But I was like, I feel so gross just being like, look at me. When I'm about to head into my therapist's office. And I was like, 
depressed and crying every day. And I couldn't, it was so bad that when I was driving, I, I, I couldn't even see where I was going. It was a mess. So I was like, why don't I tell them the truth? I'm about to go to therapy. I do it every Monday. It really helps me out. Y'all should come too if you need help. <laughs> and um, I, I, don't, I don't know if I answered that question. I, I don't have a problem sharing, but I did it in my own time. Like no one knew that any of that stuff was going on. It wasn't for months that I was like, hey, by the way. So I think that's how I felt. <laughs> I think that's the trick is like doing it in your own time. And I feel like it always comes across like boundaries are crossed whenever you don't feel good about what you're sharing. Right. right. So as much as I wanted to share even about some of my struggles with having postpartum depression, I just wasn't ready. And I felt like some people thought that was a disservice to them. And maybe even I thought it was a disservice. But at the same time, I wasn't ready. And now I can talk about it because it's behind me. It's not going to affect me anymore in the same way. So I think that that's two things. It's like time and then your own confidence around talking about it. Yeah. Yep. It just wasn't time. I'd be like, maybe today's a good day to share or write about it. And it'd be like, nope. But that day it just was. And in the black community, um, therapy is synonymous with like witch doctor or it's just such a big taboo because we're supposed to pray about it. God got our back. You don't need therapy. Um, So it also is to help my readership is predominantly African-American women to just be like, you can still slay, you can still love God, and but you can still go to a doctor when you need help. Like, they're just doctors. So it is important for me to just like share like, hey, I'm going too, guys. And there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And I feel like sharing in the right time is sort of the key with sharing online these days where so many people will overshare before they've had time to actually process anything into words that will actually help anyone. Right. And I think that is kind of the key too about or the key between or the key to differentiate between, I guess, oversharing too early and repelling everyone because everyone's going to think you're a nutter (laughs) or sharing in the right time when you're ready with the words that have been have been crafted to actually help people or even just help yourself because honestly that's that's just as important if not more so Mm -hmm. so I, i do think that that piece is super important with with sharing personally online you don't have to share things in the moment you can wait you can wait until you're ready and you have the words to to say to actually help others not turn everyone off to whatever it is you're going through I agree. And that's where I think a lot of those posts and deletes come from is out of like sheer emotion. And they're like, crap, why did I put that out there? Delete. It's like, just chill. Just wait till it feels right. Thank God there's a delete button. Thank God. Agreed. And and I feel like that's a that's a discernment everyone should practice, I think, a little bit more. It's yeah. just knowing when to say the things. Yeah. And when to zip it. <laughs> right. And when to not say anything for right. sure. I practiced zipping it. I was off Instagram for like five days. Yes. I got real quiet. <laughs> okay, I want to keep I want to talk a little bit more about your blog and starting your blog, but I want to hang on to acting for just a second more. I'm curious to hear with being an actor in Chicago mm-hmm. and that 9 years of being on the Ooh. whole list. <laughs> 
Did you ever think about moving to LA or New York or somewhere? I mean, tell me a little bit about that. That was the plan. Like when I graduated college, I had a college sweetheart. I was packing up my bags to go to New York, but he was like, I love you. We'll get married. Stay here. So I stayed. And I, New York was always like Mecca. Like I have to get there. All of my friends moved there and they were like booking like crazy. Um, uh, but when I was living in Chicago and was barely scraping by in a smaller market, I was like, Ugh. so I, it was always in the back of my head. But if I was on hold in Chicago, to me, it didn't make sense to leave. Like, it was like, I can't make it here. So, um, I prayed, I was like, God, if you want me to go to New York and LA, make it happen, make work, send me there. And that's exactly what kind of happened. Once I got th- with the production company, I would work in New York and I would work in LA but I was home in Chicago or just I was on the road. So it kind of worked out. But I, I always wanted to move until I didn't, until I started going there. I was like, oh, this doesn't feel like home. This doesn't feel right. But Chicago did. But I definitely wanted to go. I was just like, that doesn't make sense to leave if you're not even doing that well here. <laughs> right? Gotcha. I don't know like, if that's negative, Nancy. No, you were literally in a holding pattern. Okay, so you've talked about God a couple of times. Yeah. I want to ask you how faith plays into your business. This is something I think about a lot is kind of like letting go and letting God versus yeah. the free will of the hustle. So like, how do you balance hustle with faith? Um, I can feel when I'm doing too much, like I'll be like hustling and tired and oh, I got to get it done. And my body is just like, bro, just sit down, like chill out. And I think that's God is being like, I got the rest. Like, um, I, I've always felt like I need more followers. I need to do it was working so hard for it, but I'm sitting here with you guys and I don't have all of that. I've, um, I got sponsorships for companies that told me no as an actor they sponsored a blog now. So it's just like, that wasn't in my doing. That was God kind of like connecting those dots. I just, I just do the work and try to just like chill out when I need to stop. And it's really been working out for me. Oh, I All love right, that. Then let's, let's talk about the blog a little bit. <laughs> so you started a blog in 2015, which almost yes. feels like, you know how like if you're going to be a ballerina, you got to start when you're four? Yes, yes. <laughs> That's exactly I how feel it like you're a little late to the game. I'm, I'm very late. Real, so so late. <laughs> tell us about that. Uh, it's so funny because I think I was 30 when I started. And I think one of my friends told me that she was like, you're not going to make any money. You're too old. It's oversaturated. And I was like, yeah, but this is for me. It wasn't for a while that it turned out to be for everyone else. So um, I went to a conference recently and some of the girls was like, I'm 22. And I was like, I'm 32. And I was just like, whatever. (laughs) But yeah, I definitely felt that like, uh, I might have jumped on a bad wagon late, but it's been working out. So how much time a week do you spend on the blog and how much I want to say, like, how much money is it making you? But like maybe percentage of income, like, are you able to pay your oh, bills with it? Um, I could, but I'm afraid to use it yet. So it's um, it's a nest egg. Like the sponsorships I get, I'm trying to I just save it. I don't touch it. So it could pay a bill or two. It's not paying no rent yet. But it can definitely pay a cell phone bill, a cable bill. But I've just chosen not to. Um, yeah, I don't know why. I just been like, no, I'm scared to touch it just yet. I mean, it pays to run itself, but whatever. Um, and acting, Chicago PD paid me 
so well and it wasn't supposed to. And I think that's also kind of the whole God universe thing. I was like, God, if if, if I want to try this, because I put in like 40 hours a week. I hate to say that out loud, but I work hard on it because it's videos. On the blog, 40 yeah. hours a week on the blog. I have like an yeah. hours tracker and I track it. I clock in at like seven in the morning. I'm done at three because the production company has is loosened up my schedule where I could kind of do this all day. And the production company, I get paid lump sums of money. And I was like, God, anyway, I need to make money, but I need to focus when I'm doing all this stuff. I can't make good stuff. So if I work really hard, can you provide the rest? Sure enough, I booked Chicago PD. I was only supposed to make like a thousand bucks, but I had to film over the course of two weeks. It wound up being thousands. It it just blew my mind. And I think it was just because I like asked for something big and that didn't make sense. But the universe was like, all right, well, she asked for it. She's working hard. Boom. So I'm trying to get to the point where it's kind of full timey, but it's not there yet. Definitely full-time work, though. (laughs) Right. And and I also really love the idea of letting this be as organic as it can be. I feel like whenever people turn their creative side hustles, when they very intentionally flip the switch from like, oh, just kind of making money that I can just tuck away or whatever into this is now a business model that must pay my bills – a lot of the magic disappears whenever you make, whenever you flip that switch. So I love that you are just sort of even in a holding pattern with that in the moment. On whole like queen. Doing it. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. Um, but doing it just because it's fulfilling and as much as you can. Um, because I think that whenever you do that, you open yourself up to opportunities that you close yourself off to whenever you get super intentional about a business model. Yeah. And that's, I was starting to go in that direction because, you know, when you're starting off, you're like, I need to listen to being boss. I need to listen to this person. She said, do a webinar. And I was just like, that sounds crazy. Like it was just like too much. So I was trying to go that route and it just wasn't working. And again, once I stopped, people were kind of contacting me and I I was just like, okay, let's do it this way. And I'm still figuring it out. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just working hard at it. I think all of us feel that way. Uh, One thing that I wanted to mention though, is that your blog looks like you spend 40 hours a week on it. And I think that so many creative start projects thinking that it might be easy like I had someone once ask me would it be easier to start a podcast than a blog and I'm like none of it's easy none of it like all of it takes a whole lot of work yeah and um I I feel like you're a shining example of how you take a passion project you create habits and routines like you're clocking in for eight hours a day or whatever it is 40 hours a week you're making it do And you're still paying your bills doing the other dream, which is acting, even if it's not the kind of acting that you thought it would look like. Like you don't, you know, maybe you're not running around on the set of Divergent (laughs) and you're running around on the set of Sesame Street. Right. It's still a set. making it work. And I think that's just kind of the, the work ethic I saw in you through your Instagram and also it looking beautiful and also you keeping it real. That really super inspired me. Thank you, Kathleen. (laughs) and you ladies honestly inspired me I think I started listening to you guys right at the beginning and just hearing like you guys would be like you need to create systems and I'd be like what does that mean but hearing that rhetoric from day one taught me how to have discipline like 
all right, I need to hammer stuff out. I need to do the work. Emily, you're always like, just do the work. And I always quote you, you're like, uh, comparing yourself is just procrastination or whatever. That is on That's my computer. That's one of my favorite mic drop moments. If I that is, say that you myself. dropped it. <laughs> So I owe a lot of it to hearing people like you and like Tara Moore, you guys had on the show. I, I listen to Plan Bib all the time and it's really helped me kind of look like I'm um, bigger than I am. You know what I mean? Because I've just heard this from the beginning, like to be about my biz, you know? Oh, I love that. And I love the thing you said a second ago about systems and discipline, because that is exactly what systems are in so many ways. It's about discipline and just forcing yourself to do the thing so that you get that end result every single time. I might take that one if you don't want it. <laughs> take it. <laughs> it's yours, girl. <laughs> I love it. Okay, I have a question kind of about blogging or even podcasting. You're living in the online world right now, like you've moved into this online business. And I'm curious to hear from your point of view, what you feel like is missing in the online world right now. Uh, Like, is there anything that you're like, I wish there was more of this or even creating your own blog? Was it because you were trying to fill? It sounds like it was sparked from a place of creativity. Yeah. But what do you feel like maybe your blog is trying to fill that just isn't happening enough? Um, I I was always looking, um, for somebody to say they were dealing with anxiety too, or dealing with fear as much as I was. And I, I couldn't really find it. So I was definitely trying to add that element um, but I also like when we get to hang out in real life, kind of like um, when I get to hang out with some readers or some of my Twitter friends that I met like in real life is like, oh my gosh, it's good to see you as opposed to like writing like now, like I get to see you, but I see you only on Instagram. So it's cool to just like be around this community you kind of built or are a part of. Um, but I definitely in the beginning was just looking for somebody to keep it like kind of real. I couldn't find the real I was looking for, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. And that's something that we're seeing a pattern of, definitely, is this idea of, you know, people have loved the online world for, what, a whole decade Ever. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or whatever it may be. But but there is this drive to get offline and back into, like, actual hugs and face-to-face chats and all of those good things. So So I completely agree with you. I think there is... I think there is, um, or I think the internet has taken away some of the joy of actually being in the same physical space with people. I um, think so too. Because I would much rather be recording this episode, like sitting at a table with you, exactly. than even over, <laughs> you know, over the internet. <laughs> right. Like because of the internet, I have to wear glasses now. Like that's how much I <laughs> Looking at my phone and the screen, it's like affecting my emotional being and my eyes. I'm like, I think my butt is flatter from sitting here in my chair all the time. (laughs) Trying on some pants the other night. I was like, I think my my office poof is flattening my tush. Um, so I'm totally with you. Totally with you. And hanging out with friends has never made my butt feel flatter. See, just saying. 
Okay, so I just want to kind of go back to like the Instagram and everything being so polished and pretty. And you do like that's why that's kind of like what initially attracted me to your Instagram is that you had great style and it was inspiring. And then what kept me around was that realness that you were sharing in your stories. And so I, I feel like I've kind of touched on this in our conversation already, but I just want to really dig into how you balance that keeping it real with the style and the pretty you know what I mean I know exactly what you mean because I was starting to look at my Instagram feed and was like oh my gosh it's so beautiful but that that's not my real life like that's not what it looks like um I think it's always gonna look pretty because I just like pretty things and I like editing and flat lays and all that stuff but I try to balance it with my captions I try not to post anything kind of frivolously, it'll always just be like, hey girl, today's a new day. Let's get up. Let's go make it. Or I feel like, I don't know. I just still try to balance it by just saying how I truly feel. And it doesn't have to be negative. I could just be like, I'm so excited about today. Um, But I definitely was starting to get worried. Like, God, it looks just pretty. And I'm not even like that in real life. Like I'll dress up, but I'll also like no makeup, the same pajamas for the past five days so I tried to like do more Facebook lives where I'm like talking and people can like see my personality and um my newsletter I get pretty vulnerable in there um this past one I was talking about like why you can't tell people your business all the time like why you have to keep like your vision guarded and I talked to them about like how a few friends was like blogging is oversaturated so I try to share like real stuff in the newsletter and on camera because the Instagram I can't not make it pretty (laughs) yeah I agree with that I think there's a place for everything and because I'm the same way I see my Instagram feed as like an art project yes like how can (laughs) I show my life in the most beautiful way possible basically (laughs) that's what it's there for when I say it out loud (laughs) right right like I don't see for me Instagram as the place where I need to share anything heavy or anything right. like negatively heavy for sure. Um, but I do think there are places where you can be can be more vulnerable and at least less pretty, um, like your newsletter or yeah. e- even your blog posts or in those one-on-one conversations. I have no problem saving some of my actual feelings for my actual interactions with the people right. that I actually know. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yeah. So I love that. I agree. I think there's sort of a place for everything. And Instagram doesn't have to be that place or the place that you you can have a place that you designate as just pretty. Right. That's definitely it for me. Just a pretty little collage. Mm hmm. Yeah, I love that idea, too, of different platforms really serving different needs. And it used to be, like, even two or three years ago, the kind of content that you were sharing strategically as far as kind of not where it's not like overlapping like on Instagram you're going to share this and on Facebook you're going to share this and on your blog you're going to share this and to me I don't think of it so much as those platforms being different content but like what are the layers of platforms where I can get more vulnerable so people who are in my inner circle which is my newsletter, essentially, they're going to get more of that vulnerability. People who are willing to listen to the podcast for hours at a time, they're going to get more of that vulnerability and that, you know, or even sense of humor because they're getting to hear us 
talk. And so I think for me and for following you, Jessica, I think that your Instagram stories really balances that out. And I think on Instagram specifically, like that's a really great place to play around and it only lasts 24 hours. So if you say something that's not so pretty or if you're makeup free or whatever it is that might make you feel a little more insecure or vulnerable, um, it's not permanent. That's why I love so, it. <laughs> but it makes it, it still makes an impression. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've really been a big fan of Insta Stories for that reason. I like, spend a day with me. I look crazy. My hair is messed up. Let's figure this out together. What are we going to do? And I like doing that better than like, here's another pretty picture. I love that too. But just like kind of being like this feels better sometimes. Right? It's just a nice, an, an, another layer of sharing. And I think that whenever you can, I feel like a lot of people will look at, a social media platform or or just a content platform in general, whether that's their blog or their newsletter or whatever, and think they need to do all the things in one place. Yeah. And I like that I like that you can't you have permission, I guess, to to add the layers of your personality and of your brand in these different platforms. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I want to talk a little bit more about the state of blogging. And yeah. you having started a blog in twenty fifteen I, I feel like it's something that Emily and I were doing like a decade ago. And then we were like, I don't even, I almost feel like a grandma right now at this point <laughs> about blogging. But I feel like you're so new and fresh to it that maybe you have some insights or perspective yeah. um, on the trends of blogging or where blogging is going or even kind of how you're utilizing blogging now and where you see it going. Um, Just give me all your thoughts on blogging. <laughs> all the thoughts. <laughs> Here we go. Exhibit A. Um, I am at the point where I'm kind of trying to move a little bit towards video um, because I, a few of my close friends and readers have been like, we just want to see more of you. And I don't know if people are reading that much. I think my age group is, they still read a little bit, but I don't know if the younger generation does. And I'm not necessarily marketing towards them. So that's why I'm always kind of like, eh, but writing all of that, I'm not naturally a writer. Um, I just try to be really honest, but it's easier for me to speak. Um, and so I'm like, do I like start just trying to make more videos? So that's why I've been trying to be like on the lives, doing YouTubes and stuff like that so that it could be like, this is the person behind the computer. And I think that might be going places. Like I was talking to my little brother. He was like, Instagram is so lame. Like you only look at pictures because he's so used to Snapchat. You know what I mean? He's 13. He's 13. Kids these days. <laughs> I know. So I was like, gosh, maybe that's where it's going. Unfortunately. But then they say the same thing about books and magazines. Like I have a stack of magazines there. So it, it's all with a grain of salt, I guess. I just try to do my blog. That's always going to be there, but I've definitely been trying to be like, come see me. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like that you haven't stopped blogging or I like that you recognize that your people are the people who are probably most likely still reading blogs. I think that right. just comes with knowing who your audience is and knowing that a lot of the, a lot of the tips that are coming from sharing content are pretty normally targeted to people who are younger than you like the super millennials who don't have attention spans longer or probably not even long enough to listen to this episode right right <laughs> maybe so. but maybe not mm -hmm. and so by knowing who your audience is you can make wiser decisions around how it is that you're sharing your content 
So I know that you're writing a fine line between your blog being a creative expression and then this thing that you can maybe grow as a business model. So I'm curious to hear from you. It sounds like creativity comes first, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but how did you start to dip your toe into the marketing side of things? Like, how are you starting to business model it? Is it just advertising, or do you have thoughts on how you're going to grow and build the No Real Jewelry brand and, like, even deciding or determining who you are marketing to? Is it other people like yourself, or, you know, what does that look like for you? Like, the branding and business visioning side of it. Yeah, my idea is that one day it turns into, like, a Hello Giggles or Refinery29 type situation where it's, it, it stops kind of being about Jessica and is more about other women that um, have a voice, have a story, they're dealing with fear and they want to overcome all of that and are dream driven. So it, I kind of see it where it's, it's always going to be there, but that I start doing speaking engagements and I start maybe podcasts. I kind of see me being like Oprah and I had the hardest time saying that out loud, but it's really true. It's like, why couldn't I do that? I don't have to be Oprah Winfrey, but why not? I have to tell you, <laughs> I just followed you on Instagram and the very first suggested, like after I followed you, was Oprah. I shit you not. <laughs> We have it here, y'all. Totally I'm not kidding. Oprah. Right that here. Is like, yeah. I am here for that. <laughs> I love that. I love that you have such a big vision for what you want this site to turn into. I think that whenever you can go into projects like this with that sort of vision and really understanding that the world is your oyster. Again, this is also like my thing with like being so anti-business model is that people will go in and be like, all right, here are the next 18 steps I'm going to take and I'm going to end at this end goal. And then they close themselves off to all the opportunities where you're like, I, you know, I'll do anything, whatever sounds amazing and will serve my people or whatever. I'll do that. So I think that, I think that having that vision, but not blocking it in with a model is important. I love it. And go for Oprah, dude. She just Why came not? to me in your Insta. <laughs> yes, that is proof. That is proof in the pudding. But yeah, I've been doing like little workshops here in Chicago. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with like create and cultivate um, how it, I think it just kind of started off as a blog, but now it's a conference that other bloggers and um, creative entrepreneurs go to and all of that. It doesn't have to be that same theme, but I'm like, my gosh, wouldn't it be cool if... Um, I could build this platform to encourage women to dream big and stop being scared and do whatever that thing is. So that's where I kind of see it going. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I just have faith that it will. <laughs> right? Good. Good. Then you just do the work in the process. That's hey, And it'll all <laughs> unfold as it goes. That's right. So another thing around like taking the blog seriously. So not only are you spending 40 hours a week mm-hmm. really dedicating your time to this, you've also brought on, I know at least one contributor yeah. or like a beauty editor, beauty. right? Like, yeah. So tell, us, tell us about kind of your vision for expanding it. So it's not just the Jessica show. Yeah. I think people want you, I- obviously. <laughs> If they're asking for video and they want to know you. Yeah, that's true. But tell us about, I do want you to not forget about your own personal brand. Like Oprah is not Oprah if she's not Oprah. That's true. That's true. And I think about that a lot. Um, I brought, her name is Tierra. She's a beauty contributor um, because I'm not so much into beauty. I wear one red lipstick and one mascara and that's it. Um, But she was on Snapchat every day like, 
oh, look at this new product, new product. So I needed somebody that kind of was younger and had fresher eyes and knew what was happening in the beauty world. So I kind of hired her on. Um, and that was the idea is like, God, like if this could become like an online magazine, so to speak, or something along those lines. So that was the idea behind it was one, I just don't do beauty that much, but people will people kind of ask me for tips and I'm like, I don't know, she does. So there you go. <laughs> so that's kind of the plan for now is like, it'd be cool if other perspectives were on there outside of mine. But like you said, it's like, but I am kind of the captain of the ship. So I'm, I'm trying to figure that out. Like, where am I? Which way do I want to go? <laughs> Right. But that step is also the first step in building something larger than yourself, which I think is just as important. It's just you figuring out where you fit in that thing that's larger than you. Right. Yes, yes, yes. And kind of continuing to be the captain of the ship. But I'm curious just even logistically, like for our listeners who want to bring on contributors. Oh, yeah. Or even like, let's say being boss, we wanted to expand to include other podcasts, Mm -hmm. you know, in our network, things like that. I, I've been thinking a lot about that, and it's kind of like a little bit of a dance. So I'm curious how your collaboration, if you're willing to share with your beauty editor, works. Like, is it mutually beneficial? Are you paying her? What does that look like? So um, I'm not at the point where I'm paying her, but she, so she's my best friend's little sister who I happen to be following on Snapchat. And like I said, she was always like, on Snapchat, just doing the makeup thing. And I was getting overwhelmed because I was, when I first started off, I was trying to do a web and I was just trying to do everything. And so I was like, writing is a lot. You guys know, cause you write a book. <laughs> so I was like, can somebody take this workload off of me? And if the idea is to expand where it's not just my voice, let me ask her. And she was like, this is crazy. I've always wanted to blog, but I didn't want to be responsible for a blog. So I was like, cool. I'll teach you the tricks that I know. And I don't know much. I'm Everything is shot on my iPhone. I shoot it by myself with a Bluetooth remote. You know, like, I don't know what I'm doing still. But that was our trade-off. Like, you could come over. I'll teach you WordPress. I'll teach you blah, blah, blah. And um, that was kind of our working relationship. And now she's kind of doing her own microblogging thing. And she does her own events and stuff like that. And that's how I always kind of wanted it. I don't want them to be a slave to no real jewelry. It's like, go do you, <laughs> young butterfly. But I definitely needed just workload help. And I found her from Snapchat. And you know, you go to people's Instagrams and they're like following 100 people, but they have a million followers. I try to like keep my eyes open um, because people are doing cooler stuff than I am. And if it aligns, I don't mind just being like, hey, how do you like I'm kind of scouting people too. So that's how I found her. So I'm not at the point of paying her. And I told her that like, I cannot pay you anything, um, but I could pay you in knowledge. So <laughs> and so she um, does like two posts a month. It was nothing major. Give her deadlines. You know, it's 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 been working out pretty well. Yeah, and I think that, you know, even just the experience and um, I, I, I just wanted to dig into this a little bit because I think that sometimes we think of collaborations or partnerships or staff as being something bigger in our minds yeah, than yep. it actually is. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's literally contacting your best friend's little sister and being like, <laughs> hey, let's do this thing. Yeah. Right? Yep. It, it and so I just want to point that out as well. Like if you're wanting to collaborate with other people, don't make it a bigger deal in your head than it needs to be. But then also I was impressed about how you did make it a big deal 
<laughs> on externally. Like, oh, you yeah. rolled it out like I brought on a beauty yeah. editor. <laughs> and it really positions you in this place as creating something bigger than yourself. So I kind of love seeing the behind the scenes and also the outward facing rollout of that. Thank you. I, I just wanted everybody to know like, hey, it's not just me anymore. <laughs> it's somebody else. All right. Well, we're about to wrap up. Is there anything else that's been on your mind that you just really want to share with our listeners? Emily, do you have any other questions for Jessica? I think I'm good. I think the one thing I wanted to share is um, if you show up and just work and just like really kind of get specific about your vision, everything else will fall into place. Like I, some amazing opportunities have fallen in my lap without all the followers, without all the things that you're like stressed about. And, um, it, it, your wildest dreams can happen with a little bit. Like everything is totally bootstrapped and I pray to God it doesn't have to be that much longer, but you know, people are wild when they find out like, all that stuff is done on my phone. Everything is done with a rinky-dinky Amazon tripod. So it really is, um, the possibilities are endless. Um, you just cannot be lazy. You cannot blame other people or blame Instagram's algorithm. You just have to <laughs> show up. <laughs> so I'm into all of that. <laughs> The algorithm. I love that. I find myself blaming those stupid ass algorithms far more than I probably should. Thank you for so calling me out on that. I love it. I love that tidbit. All of it. All right, Jessica, in closing, we want to hear what makes you feel most boss. Oh my gosh. Uh, What makes me feel most boss is. When I'm just having like a good ass boss day, like when I'm just checking things off my to-do list, I'm like, yes. But another thing is just um, the wealth of freedom of time. My best friend, she's moving today to Arizona. And a couple months ago, she was like, if you want to take one last road trip with me and the boys to the Mall of America, I was able to pack up my bags and go for like five days. And I don't have a million dollars, but the freedom to like move and shake how I want to because I'm freelancing, because I'm acting, because of the blog, that made me feel like, damn, this is the life right here. To just be like, I'm up. I didn't have to ask for anybody's permission. That made me feel like, okay, this is this is how I want life to be lived. <laughs> Sounds like you're doing it right. And that's something that I think that it's the thing that I love most about living the creative life. Yes. Where, you know, we depend on our own skills and ingenuity to make money, whatever that may mean. Yeah. It all it gives us so much more flexibility. Freedom. So I agree. Yes. That is living it right, <laughs> right there for sure. Yes. Awesome. So where can our people learn more about you? So go to the blog. It's uh, norealjewelry.com. It's so hard to say that fast. Norealjewelry.com. I'm on (laughs) every social media except Snapchat. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's at norealjewelry. And that's it. I got a couple workshops coming up in October in Chicago that I'm excited about. And I don't know. I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure to chat with you. This episode of Being Boss was brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Thank you to FreshBooks for sponsoring us. And you guys can try it for free by going to freshbooks.com slash boss. 
Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club. If you're a creative entrepreneur, freelancer, or a small business owner who is ready to take your goals to the next level, check out the Being Boss Clubhouse, a two-day online retreat followed by a year of community support, monthly masterclasses, book club, secret episodes, and optional in-person retreats. Find more at www.beingboss.club clubhouse. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brain. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. And our Bean counter, David Austin, with support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.